you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm already ready already. I'm ready. How ready can you be already? I'm so ready, I'm violently. Were you ready before you were ready? And does that make you already ready? I was already ready already. I think we covered that one. It is Free Talk Live. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. It is the Saturday night edition. In the studio tonight, it is myself, the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass, and joining me, Peakless Mountaineer. We're uh, well, we're doing all sorts of weird things. Uh, we were talking about, just before the show started, Peakless and I were discussing checks, as in the payment instrument that, uh, I mean, I'm going to guess has gone the way of the dodo for most people. That is, I, I still have to write one check uh, occasionally, and I had gotten rid of all of them until I, I I bought a house. I was a renter, and so I didn't even have to write a rent check because my landlord had a uh, online thing, portal kind of thing that you you know put your email address in. It sends you, don't forget to pay your rent this month, you know, <laughs> reminder emails and stuff. Uh, but then I, I purchased property, so uh, <laughs> lo and behold, the, uh, the water department and the, the little town here in new hampshire uh doesn't you know take credit cards or they do but they don't take ones that i they take like uh i only have mastercard now so they take like visa and like diners club or something (laughs) (laughs) but you can't do anything online with it you have to go in to do it and so of course you know when they had it's particularly the governments during covid they had no hours you couldn't go in anywhere everything was locked down unless you wanted to jump through a bazillion hoops and, you know, get jabbed in the arm with some unknown substances. Uh, and so the only way for me to pay the water bill was to write a check. So I'd, <laughs> I'd actually call up the bank and be like, hey, do you get, yeah, we still do that. I'm like, oh, okay, can you send me something? They're like, sure. And it was, I don't know, 10 bucks or something for, you know, 100 or so checks. And, you know, I'll never run out. I have enough checks to last me a lifetime, so it seems. <laughs> Um, yeah, it used to be standard to give those away for free. E- e- well, it would come with your checking account, mm-hmm. uh, at least the first X amount, and then if you you know wrote too many. So, yeah, I wonder if they'll ever uh, change that and call it a debit account. Yeah, I it's it's interesting. Probably not. These legacy terms seem to carry on. Uh, but yeah, as I, far as uh, as far as paying rent uh, here in New Hampshire, some of us live fully in the twenty first century, so I get to pay mine in uh, cryptocurrency. That's great. I love that. Um, Me too. It, it's so weird because like the contrast out here is very pronounced because there are things like, oh, you know, it's 2020, uh, and I've still got to write a check. <laughs> uh, it's not even monthly. It's every quarter that the my water bill comes. So like not even every month. Mm-hmm. So that's like four checks a year, right? I'm good for like, what, 25 years or something, right? That's the amount of checks I have. Uh, I'll probably have the house paid off well before that. So at at any rate, I find checks to be really useless in this day and age. Largely. Yeah. One of the, one of the strange things is like once upon a time, your signature on the check really, really mattered. Like that was the thing that made it a valid check. Whereas I, you know, back when I'd like cash a paycheck and stuff, plenty of time, most of the time I would just hand it to them without even bothering to sign mostly to see if they cared and they don't. In the uh, early to mid nineties, 
I uh, started and ran my own record label. Uh, I failed miserably uh, in that we had raised uh, $100,000 for the label as far as seed funds and that kind of thing. Uh, We did not make back that original $100,000 that we raised. And the way we raised it was just by going to everybody we knew and saying, hey, do you want to put some money into this thing we're going to try and do? And they were like, sure. One of the ways that that happened was... uh, uh, a friend of mine's sister took out a couple of extra credit cards and was just like, here, pay the bill. I'll have them route the bills to you. And uh, whenever they show up, you pay them. That's the deal. I'm like, okay. Hmm. So uh, whenever that whole thing ended, I got stuck paying off hmm. like 30 grand Oof. just by myself uh, with no help from my former partners. So yeah, uh, starting a business is difficult in and of itself. Starting a record label in the you know grunge era, <laughs> the late metal early grunge era. I'm 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 feeling some Janis Joplin off of that though. No help from my friends. Mm, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was I don't even remember what year it was. I was 21, 22, something like that. So that's a that's a lot to bite off for a young kid who's still partying his ass off. And well, know, I mean, a, is it know. these days? I mean, given that uh, like the first like major financial decision of your ordinary life as an 18 year old is to put yourself into like what 50,000 ish worth of debt. Well, so we're talking about Uh, by going to college. That is, I'm going to try and recall the year so you can do the monetary translation. Uh, Probably 92, 93 was when this was all going down. Uh, Maybe 94, 93, 94, depending on, but so, like back in that day, mm. uh, 1996 is when I moved to Seattle. So back in that day, um, you could buy a house, like a two-family in Minneapolis, Minnesota for $65,000. Wow. That same house at market rate today is $300,000. I looked it up not too long ago. So yeah, I was startled. I'm like, hmm, Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, anyway, I I hate writing checks. That's the whole point. Uh, (laughs) uh, Oh, uh, the very first time I paid for studio time to record a band, I wrote a check on the business account. And I was all super happy. I'm like, this is the first check that, you know, I felt like I was really in business. You know, this is the first check I'm writing for, like, recording time for a band. We're going to put out their album and all this kind of thing. And so uh, I do that. And I get home the next day, and there's a message on my answering machine. That's right. No voicemail. Answering machine uh, with the tape and everything in it. Uh, I'll tell you about my customized greeting later. But um, The kind they only use for exposition in movies these days. (laughs) (laughs) It was the the guy from the studio saying, hey, man, great session. Happy to have you. Um, Would you mind coming back by, you know, as soon as you can and actually signing the check? (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for him. Like, no, you're you're actually supposed to check that. Uh, you know? Pun and not intended. I, you know, I was a novice at writing business checks. I didn't know a business check, that they were, you know, that you had to sign them to. Mm. You know, I thought just having your business name. I didn't know. You know, I just opened a, an account at a bank and threw some money at it. And then <laughs> my, my, quote, business partner, unquote, <laughs> he went on this run of ordering pizza using the business account checks 
for I don't know, man, like three, maybe four weeks in a row hmm. before I finally like saw the statements. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, we can write it off on our taxes. I'm like, not if we're not making any money, we can't. Mm. Stop well, spending no, our money uh, on pizza. No, as far as I can, uh, I mean, I'm I'm no expert on taxes by any stretch of the imagination. But as far as I know, you can still like even a failed business is something you can write off. In that respect, yes, that much. But he was taking our seed money and buying pizza with it. Yeah, yeah. That's like, Dude, uh, come on, man. Yeah, you know, if you're too poor, get another job, right? You know? Yeah, and then sticking you with a bill for it, apparently. So yeah, that was yeah. So anyway. Uh, starting a business is tough. I respect anybody who does it, particularly oh, yeah. in the environment we find ourselves in. Well, and I, I think that uh, being an entrepreneur of one kind or another is just becoming less and less optional, to be completely honest. Like, in order to meet your bills, you're going to have to, like, get a gig or to come up with some something that you can provide the world because all of the, all of the ordinary, boring, you know, mind-numbing jobs are getting taken by robots. So, yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about this, these swarms of Air Force drones here tonight, because while that sounds very ominous, uh, and it is very ominous, um, I feel like this was an inevitability that we were going to see this. Uh, this article that we have isn't necessarily about you know the ones in your backyard, but we'll talk more about these swarms of Air Force drones coming up. Yeah, yeah, I don't even like talk live. I don't even like drones, but no one likes a swarm of anything. 603-283-6160. That's the telephone number if you want to join in the conversation tonight on Free Talk Live. More coming up. Welcome to the Saturday night edition of Free Talk Live. We're a live radio call-in program that's also broadcast over some satellite stations. And we're also streaming over the interwebs, if you know what those are. You can find out all about that over at freetalklive.com. If you want to call in, of course, the telephone number 603-283-283. 6160 grab a crayon write that on the on the fridge maybe tattoo it on your firstborn's forehead so you don't forget 603-283-6160 in the studio it's myself the captain and peakless mountaineer i do want to talk about the swarms of air force drones but before we do so let's go to mr david ridley of ridley report mr ridley you're on free talk live also known as Ridley Report in New Hampshire, uh, the uh, uh, an interesting uh, endorsement has come in for from for NH Exit, the New Hampshire Independence Movement. From now, an unexpected source. Did this source from an unexpected from unexpected source was <laughs> did did it did it come to you around? Oh, I don't know, maybe four score and seven years ago. <laughs> oh, you blew you blew the uh, <laughs> you blew the ending to the story here. So this is my understanding. I'm not positive that this quote comes from Abraham Lincoln. I read that it did, and I don't have good internet right now, so I can't verify it. 
You you verify it for me if you wish. Uh, but uh, as I understand it, quote, any people anywhere being inclined and having the power have the right to rise up and shake off the existing government and form a new one that suits them better. This is a most sacred right, unquote. Well, being inclined and having the power, well, if you have the power, it doesn't so much matter if you have the right. At least, uh, I mean, so this is coming from someone who outrightly proved, according to his own beliefs, that the South did not have the right to secede because they didn't have the power to do so. Yeah. And again, you guys have better Internet than me, so you might want to just check, you know, Google that. See if he really said that. But uh, my understanding is he said that in 1848, you know, and he was probably directing his concerns against other problems. Uh, I, I don't know. 1848, so he must be as old as, what, Hillary Clinton? <laughs> <laughs> and almost as old as Klaus Schwab. Ooh. But I think it'd be useful. It should prove, if that's accurate, it should prove a useful quote uh, to use against the, uh, you know, uh, the, anti, you know the pro-DC people who, who, uh, who argue with us. Yeah, I actually really enjoy hearing the quote that you brought tonight's it is a quote that i've heard before and hope to hear many 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 more times from many 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 more people over the course of the rest of my life because uh, it sure would be nice to be able to do that and new hampshire certainly seems to be making strides in the right direction at least yeah it seems to you me know what that... i've actually found i'm sorry go ahead no no by all means i've found that like one time i was calling somebody and he brought up abraham lincoln or something like that or, or the, you brought up the Civil War or something like that. It's, and I, tur- I tried, I, I didn't have much trouble kind of turning it on its head. I think, I think what I said was, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln was actually, there were a lot of good things about Abraham Lincoln, and he was pretty patient with the South in, in uh, 1860 when, when, the, when the crisis was first starting. He didn't start shooting them until they shelled the Fort Sumter, right? So uh, and that took a while for them to do that. I've, I've uh, definitely heard that there was that that was kind of a setup that uh, they had been put in in a position where there really wasn't any choice but to do so. So I don't know. As far as yeah, if that's always, accurate, then uh, <laughs> I don't know. Tough to tell about it. Choice you always you always have a choice when you're dealing with a government uh, to to not shoot the government. Well, and you know how it goes with these entities we call government. The uh, the winners, of course, write the history books. So they tend to skew it in their favor instead of the favor of, well, everybody else. Right. But yeah, in a sense, you know, the Civil War was fought over, it was fought over, uh, over, over violent rebellion against, against Washington, right? In, in a, in a way, it wasn't just slavery. It was about the fact that the, 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 the Southerners started shooting, uh, before, uh, before the Northerners, basically. Uh, and, uh, that that's just another that's another key mistake to avoid, and another reminder that you know the United the, the, the New Hampshire the, the more New Hampshire is disconnected from that old Confederacy, preferably by not being in the same country as Texas or Florida or well I don't know Florida but Texas or Georgia, uh, the better. I feel like it doesn't really matter which state goes first as long as one does. I would love for New Hampshire to be the first, uh, but I think that once one state declares themselves independent from the rest of the United States, 
that there will be more. I, I don't know how many more, if it will all just sort of be like, oh, well, we're in these pre-constructed geographic areas that people have drawn on maps. How convenient, you know? I don't know if it'll just happen that way or if, you know, other, you know, sort of unions will form out of that or whatever. But uh, it's just important to me that somebody goes first and they do it soon because the empire is definitely on the decline. And if you just look at the history of empires, you know that the place that we're at, the empire known as the United States of America, uh, bad things are on the horizon. Well, I, I'm really ambivalent as to whether or not we go first. Like, on the one hand, it would be a point of pride. On the other hand, there is likely to be a lot of backlash to whoever makes that move first, and that's not going to be fun. Um, well, actually, not necessarily, uh, especially especially if you, you're being pretty peaceful about it. Historically, the, the ones that go first, the ones that go first are, uh, are the safest. Uh, Slovenia did better than all the other former Yugoslav republics. Hmm. Estonia did better than all the other uh, uh, Soviet republics. I believe they were more or less first. Right. Uh, Chechnya was last. Look how bad they did. Hmm. Uh, and look at uh, uh, look how well uh, Ireland did when it left the... Uh, Ireland and the United States did fairly well leaving the, the, the uh, British system early. Yep. Uh, and the ones that left later had a lot more troubles. Uh, I mean, at each one... Oh, I thought it was had, Ireland had that had the troubles. Ireland had only a very small number of deaths in, in, a, in a war. I mean, compared to most wars. In, in, in India... I think Dave the missed that, that one. Dave. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the, the, the Irish... Irish the uh, Troubles. It, Irish, it, was, it was a bit of a pun on the uh, historical period known as the Troubles, which I always yeah, thought was a only, terrible euphemism. <laughs> oh, it's, it's only, the uh, Troubles. 20, there were only about 2,500 people killed in the whole Irish War of Independence in 1920. Era, uh, and again, like in, in India, they have two million deaths after independence. Mm. Uh, so it's just you know, it, it's important to keep these things in perspective. Hey, yeah, as, uh, as far as like uh, uh, if there's leagues and what have you, I like the idea of peace with all and uh, entangling alliances with none. Hey, Dave, uh, where can folks find out more about you and the stuff that you do? Oh well, I'm the best. The best New Hampshire exit website is nh. It's nhexit.us. I run nhexit.com, but nhexit.us has probably got better content currently. Awesome. Hey, thanks for the call today. We appreciate you. 603-283-6160. That's the telephone number here in the studio. If you would like to join us on tonight's edition of Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. Coming up, we'll talk about swarms of Air Force drones. This is Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in and listening. 
to Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been over on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of that here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey. That's a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off with over 1 million channels now, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so now we're streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app over at lbry.com. And then every video you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. Again, visit video.freetalklive.com. Follow us on Odyssey today. That's video.freetalklive.com. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. And Peakless Mountaineer. Uh, We will talk about these Air Force drones. I swear. It shall be done. We will talk about these Air Force drones. But first, let's go to TJ the Spy calling in from Colorado. TJ, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be back again, and I'm hoping that Ian is uh, not going to be going to prison, and he'll be doing the show many years from now. Us too. Us too, yeah, really. Well, I wanted to know, speaking of going to jail, I know that Ian's a big fan of activism and Keen and, you know, like civil disobedience and having the drinking game at, at the town hall and that kind of stuff and good fun for yucks. Mm-hmm. But I was wanting to know, like, how do you pick a molecule or a, a plant to go to jail over because I think pot has been pretty much legalized more or less. It's been decriminalized vastly in New Hampshire. And uh, the one thing about Denver out here, we decriminalize psilocybinic mushrooms. So the police won't, you know, they'll confiscate them and write you a ticket, but they won't haul you off to jail. Right. And so that's one difference. And I thought, well, if I was going to pick a substance, you know, to go in front of the, this Keene city hall and just say, you know, I'm a free individual, and I'm going to peaceably put into my body this molecule right here or this plant or this mushroom and not bother anybody. And um, I don't know. That just seems to be <laughs> – I was, I, was, uh, I was originally going to pick uh, methamphetamine because methamphetamine is legal in all 50 states, but it's not widely prescribed. Mm. And I and uh, Ian suggested that mushrooms would probably have more benefit to people. And I thought MDMA was probably one of those, you know, if I had to pick a stimulant to go to jail over, MDMA would definitely be it. So, so your your question is, uh, what drug is yeah, like, you know, like, best I for activism? Ask, like people who've like I know Rich is big into pot, like going to jail over pot. That was his thing with the 420 rallies and. You know, I'm just kind of figuring out, like, what drug needs to be legalized or I like, legalized next in the state of New Hampshire. Yeah, I like the both the MDMA and the uh, psilocybin uh, simply because the research on those, as far as, like, microdosing and things like that, the research on those, like, we're talking about curing PTSD for people. Mm-hmm. Curing, not just, like, curing, yes. making not it better. Treating. Right. But like, yeah. So like, there's a bunch of research on uh, out there on that, and I like that idea. And uh, MDMA and uh, mushrooms both uh, have been. I mean, the medicinal yeah, properties the, alone. The MDMA experience for me was quite wonderful, and it's been wonderful for everybody I've 
been on MDMA around because they've become a lot more open and honest. I, uh, James was very closeted and, and repressed, and then he took MDMA and said, I don't care who knows that I'm gay, including my parents. And now they are forever mad at me for turning their son gay. And, <laughs> you know, I said, I don't think it works quite that way. I don't think you take a drug and then you turn gay. I think it's just, you know, the drugs allow you to finally admit the truth sometimes. Yeah, that's probably more accurately the case. I know that there are several people that I've bumped into in the, the freedom community who, uh, you know, at one time or another have done some sort of mind-altering substance. So it's not uncommon for people to do it, much less freedom-oriented people. So, you know, I kind of expect freedom-oriented people to be, you know, more free about talking about it than regular folks who, you know, tend to shy away from even talking about it because it's still illegal. Yes. Well, I was I'm going to have to not bring any illegal fun party drugs to the trial because I want to be in Mr. Bitcoin costume for Ian and, you know, have the 12 disciples called the jury who are <laughs> going to decide his fate. If uh, we can just get them to install Bitcoin wallets on their phone and, <laughs> uh, you know, have them see Bitcoin as something friendly and not evil. Yeah. I, I, so as far as a, a choice of uh, which drug to, I mean, it, it seems not only that uh, you would be working to decriminalize it, but also to sort of normalize it socially. And I, yeah. I would definitely like I, I would see I, I see the purpose in choosing MDMA, but I would definitely I would definitely go with psilocybin, uh, mostly because it's uh, it's natural. Like it is. A, a, yeah. And that's the other thing I was thinking, because. I'm stuck in this government hell where the medicines that actually work for me are all illegal, like 345-trimethoxyphenethylamine. That's mescaline from the peyote plant. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, the Indian shaman said, drink, drive them out, bad head spirits. And I'm like, wow, this is this is must be what they use to cure depression before Zoloft and before all these other well, know, and, antidepressants, they must have used something like this. And the fact that it cures it rather than perpetually treating the symptoms is precisely why it is so difficult to, to uh, get these things decriminalized. I mean, they yeah, are making I, an I, unbelievable I, just boatload of money off of continuing to treat the symptoms of depression and anxiety and addiction and so on and so forth. Well, leave it to the government to criminalize Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Yeah, and it's it's just so fundamentally counterintuitive, uh, counterintuitive to the way that people tend to see the world to criminalize something that naturally occurs. So I think you would definitely have uh, an easier time with that one. Well, that's what I've been thinking. I want to thank you guys for the advice, and I want you to keep up the good work. Hey, thanks for the call, TJ. We appreciate you. 603-283-6160 is our phone number here. Uh, the other thing that I, I want to say about the whole drug thing, and I know he talked a little bit about weed. There's there's a bunch of stuff in the news right now about uh, some athlete's uh, girl. She got arrested for marijuana mm -hmm. while uh, over in Russia yeah. or something. Yeah, marijuana vape cartridges while yeah. in Russia, yeah. And so, of course, From the, the WNBA, yeah. Yes, thank you. So, uh, of course, the... Uh, you know, the United States apparently is like, well, she hasn't committed a crime or what? It's like, okay. I, <laughs> really? Yes, you should be trying Still to. Still schedule one, guys. Yes, you should be trying to get her out of, you know, whatever foreign prison mm -hmm. she finds herself in. But you should not be hypocrites and you should also let out everybody who's still in the U.S. prisons 
the prison system for marijuana. And Absolutely. there are still way too many people in there. Nobody's talking about it. I bring it up you know, every time I think about it on this show. But I don't see it in the national conversation in any of the newspapers and any of the movements anywhere. It's something like just shy of $40,000 a year on average to house a prisoner. So I don't know. The next time one of your goons in charge, one of your you know people is, oh, we need to raise more money for, insert pet political project here. Maybe suggest to them that releasing some people out of prison for not harming anybody for victimless crimes, such as having too much of a certain plant in your pocket, might be a good place for them to start looking for that extra money. Yeah, one thing about uh, what a, a free society would actually look like is that we would only put people in jail if they were actively a threat to other people. Like, that's the only reason to jail someone, to arrest someone, is to protect other people. That's the only reasonable way that you would do that. But instead, oh, you violated this thing that doesn't even hurt anyone anyway, therefore you must be abducted and put into a tiny cold cell. 603-283-6160. Do you think uh, the Air Force having a big swarm of drones will help any of this? More Free Talk Live is coming up. Yes, it is Air Force Drone Swarms. I mean, it's Free Talk Live. We'll be talking about Air Force Drone Swarms momentarily. But if you would like to join the conversation, the telephone number here in the studio is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. Phones are open, as always. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. And peakless mountaineer. All right. So I guess we've been teasing this bit about the Air Force drone swarms, which it, it doesn't really sing, right? You know, it doesn't, doesn't roll off. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Mm. Anyway, this is from a publication called interestingengineering.com under the subheading of innovation. Britain's Royal Air Force chief says drone swarms are ready to overpower enemy defenses. The devices are ready for use in war. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound ominous. Oh, nothing terrifying about that. I mean, I I remember uh, fairly recently covering the first time that uh, an AI killed a human being on its own. uh, And it was, in fact, a drone. And now we've got swarms up them. Swarms and swarms. Great. You know, that doesn't sound like, you know, a scene out of Terminator that they just didn't have uh, the budget to film. <sighs> so during the Global Air and Space Chiefs Conference 2022, that's a mouthful to say, that took place in London this week, Britain's Royal Air Force Chief Marshal Sir Mike Wigston said that the Air Force's experiments with drone swarms show they can now overpower enemy defenses, making them ready for use in war, according to Defense News. 
I don't know if that's what the guy actually sounds like, but fair, probably something like you know, that. An uppity sort of British man. You know, not real sure. Yeah, I gotta say the British Air Force has always been super creepy. Like every time that I'm like, oh, I'm looking into something, and it's like, do do do, spy organizations, cover-ups. Oh, British Air Force. Well, and if you pay attention to the way uh, we'll call them Western governments operate, it's always monkey see, monkey do. Mm-hmm. And so you can bet your babushka that if the British Air Force has swarms of drones. I uh, I don't even want to think about what the United States might have. Mm. Well, it uh, makes me want to bone up on my microwave technology, personally. Because uh, we might be about to secede, and they might take it well. That'd be great. I'd prefer, you know, a nice, peaceful, you know, voluntarily we go our way and you go yours. But they don't like to let people go and do their own thing and not obey every command and give us your money. That's true. Uh, The article continues, three years of testing drones with various payloads, platforms, and control systems. He further reported that over the course of the three years, the RAF's 216 test and the evaluation squadron and the Rapid Capabilities Office trialed five drone types in 13 experiments with various payloads, platforms, and control systems, and produced an operationally useful and relevant capability. So yeah. so basically they armed the drones, is what yeah. they're saying in different ways. Yeah, I will say the the most cogent theory that I've heard so far on the Las Vegas shooter was that it was actually a test of uh, drone-mounted uh, uh, weaponry system. Really? Yeah. Because like there, there's just a lot of little things that do not add up on that one, uh, like where the fire appears to be coming from, where people are looking while they're being shot, uh, doesn't seem to be where where the uh, where the shooter allegedly was. So why would that be? Mm. Well, the article says this work has been challenging, but we have learned and gained a huge amount from our mosquito program around digital design and novel manufacturing techniques, Wigston said. We are exploring new models of capability, delivery, and accelerated production when we need them rather than in case we need them. From the twin jet 3D printed Pizuki, that's the name of one of their drones, to commercially available large drones fitted with novel payloads to large quadricopters... One of the key challenges that are inherent in using military power from above is that of defeating adversary air defenses. Air operations increasingly need to ensure that aircraft can take off and land safely in order to continue their operations successfully. If this challenge is not tackled effectively, it endangers the significant amount of money that the military has invested in upgrading their fleets to fourth and fifth generation technologies. They're in their fifth generation of these things already. Mm-hmm. Fifth generation. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one possible upside down the line of this thing is that if we keep moving war further and further from human beings, then we might be able to just skip it all together. Like, realize that, okay, in order to win this war, I would basically have to overcome not your forces, but your computer security. Mm-hmm. And since we can realize that on both sides, we'll just, you know, reach a point where, like, you know, we have a a new, uh, you know, a a new war accord because, like, for some weird reason, they, like, want to murder each other completely, 
but they're okay with doing it by a certain set of rules. Like, no no serrated blades, no bayonets, uh, no, no chemicals. Uh, okay, well, maybe at some point we can just reach the point where we're like, okay, if you win, here's what you get, and if you lose, here's what you have to do. And we just have a, a point where we just attack each other's computer systems, and whoever wins, wins. And then we don't have to do the whole, like, you know, death. This reminds me of uh, more useless terminology that comes out of militaries. War crimes. Mm. I mean, first of all, war is a crime. So anything else that happens, you know, well, within the context of war, also a crime. Well, that's the scam, isn't it? So, I mean, okay, war involves intentionally killing people. Now, that is called murder. Yes, that is a crime. Right. Now, if, on the other hand, you actually apply universal principles and logic, then you realize, oh, so declaring war on someone is, in fact, just a really big act of murder. Yes. But, I mean, the whole scam that they have is, well, when we do it, it's called war. When you do it, it's called terrorism. When we do it, it's called taxation. When you do it, it's called theft. When we do it, it's called monetary policy. When you do it, it's called counterfeiting. So in order to keep up that facade, they have to, you know, claim that war isn't itself a crime and say, oh, well, there are crimes with war. Well, see, uh, to me, the term war crimes just means... You didn't do war according to our rules. Mm. You did it according to your own rules, and therefore that's a crime. You well, didn't follow the rules of war. There are no rules in war. Let me let me be very clear on this. You'll hear this espoused by military leaders and by politicians. The rules of war. There are no rules to war. Here's the rules of war. You're going and murdering a bunch of people that you've never met. That's war. That's what you're doing. Yeah. I mean... Of the few people that even know or care about such a thing, the Nuremberg trials, among the specific things they were accusing the Nazi government of having done and the leadership thereof and the individuals that were in that leadership, is planning and waging an aggressive war. (laughs) Now, there is unbelievable stacks of evidence over and over and over again about uh, the American military and political machinery specifically making these, 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 and these countries are our targets. And we're probably going to go in this order. And wouldn't you know it, it's mostly been exactly in that order. You know, years before they actually do the, the reason that we're supposedly going to war with them. Yeah. So... Every single one of our quote-unquote leaders has been guilty of Nuremberg-level war crimes. Uh, This guy added that Russian and Ukrainian militaries rely on land, manpower, and artillery, whereas the UK and other Western nations use air access and air superiority. Bronk also discussed the practice of swarming, which consists of sending enough expendable drones at a defensive radar and interceptor position so as to overwhelm them. Uh, uh, from what I had heard, that was uh, like air superiority was also uh, a thing that was expected from Russia, which is why like the tactics that America had trained Ukraine for was for them to go in with their planes first. He argued that the practice can be effective, but may not always be practical as the drones used in these kinds of tactics often lack the requisite range and speed. But of course, governments don't care about how much it costs. So we're going to see more of that 
very soon. 603-283-6160. Hour number two of Free Talk Live is next. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Yes, it is Free Talk Live. Thank you for tuning in and listening to tonight's program. Telephone number here in the studio, 603-283-6160, if you want to join in the conversation. We've been talking about, a, well, a whole bunch of stuff, really, including drugs. That's <laughs> yeah, a favorite topic of mine. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, Abe Lincoln and his support of secession. We've talked about uh, these drone swarms that... Uh, Apparently, westernized militaries now have, uh, where literally their strategy is to just have enough of them to smother the target. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could be, you know, a target, right? Uh, it could mm-hmm. be a thing, but it's more than likely a person. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being smothered by drones just as a human being? <laughs> so just a drone comes at me with a pillow then. <laughs> Smother. <laughs> it- no, it's not the my pillow guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> little tiny my pillow guys <laughs> yeah, so uh you were talking about the the 3d printed drone that they that they'd worked on and yeah. it occurs to me that like there's kind of a risk involved with using these things because like you're gonna get reverse engineered most likely like if you're in any kind of extended uh engagement with someone like okay well they're gonna have one of these shot down at some point and they're gonna analyze what it's made of how it works and uh we live in a world of 3D printers, so mm-hmm. like, who, uh, beware military that sends this at people, for you may soon have them sent back. I, I'm certain that, you know, there are more than one military with these things. Um, I, I just don't know how humanity, what humanity needs to do to get away from just the idea that we need to be able to smother people with drones or... You know, heavy artillery or nuclear bombs or, you know, uh, there are better ways for settling disputes than murdering each other. I can tell you exactly what I think would do it. Stop government educating kids. Yeah. Like, it turns out if you expose these sponge-brained little humans 
to a massive propaganda campaign for like a decade of their most absorbent years, then they tend to become, on average, uh, culty zealots for whatever propaganda you've just exposed them to. John Taylor Gatto, one of the most decorated teachers, won awards for his his students, for his teaching, wrote books. Uh, You know, his summarization of government education was that it, it only takes, you know, less than two weeks worth of like full time uh, you know, going at it to learn reading and writing and basic math. Once you have those things, kids can educate themselves, mm-hmm. right? And if people want to help them, far out, solid, and right on. But the kids should be following their interests and then learn the rest of those subjects around whatever their interest, whatever makes them, whatever they're passionate about, whatever they feel drawn to, mm-hmm. instead of sitting them in lined classrooms all all the desks in a line in a row and you must be in the front row and you don't get to be in the back row and you have to it's all so very authoritarian and so just puke i just want to puke when i think about school and the fact is you don't even need to train them to do this so like the 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 original push for this was to increase literacy rates and by every real (laughs) metric they have gone into the toilet since and at the rate that we did government schooling now if you want to have kids actually learn math for example do it the way that we did once upon a time where they teach each other for money. Yeah, the last statistic that I recall was one in five high school graduates. Not not people who dropped out, not people who failed. Graduates, one in five, 20% in the United States, one in five high school graduates, functionally illiterate. Yeah. yeah That's and- how good a job government school is doing at teaching kids how to read. That somehow people are graduating... But they're functionally illiterate. How is that even possible? You might ask, well, uh, do your own research. You have the magic rectangle either in your hand or in front of you. So use it. Yeah, and by the end of college, there it's still something like 5% that can read something that is complex and draw uh, an inference from it. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable how bad the this is at educating people. Yeah. But it's great at making them believe that governments are good and necessary. This is not a form of brainwashing. This is not a form of brainwashing. Is that the uh, the bit from uh, the whitest kids, kids the you hall? know? Oh. Yeah, the whitest kids you know. I think yeah. did that. Where uh, yeah, yeah, they're doing the pledge of allegiance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> name name some other time that you go somewhere and you do a pledge to anything. Yeah. that resembles that. Yeah, I mean, seems to me that uh, if you can't consent, then you can't pledge your allegiance. Wow, what a good point. Uh, we'll talk more about that and some other things, but uh, we've got Jerome who's been holding. Jerome, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, I, I was asking when, when we talked earlier, is uh, Putin a war criminal and is Charles Barkley a scumbag? Is Putin a war criminal? Yes. Is Charles Barkley a scumbag? I haven't paid enough attention to know for sure whether yeah, one yeah. way or the other. He's thinking about, he's thinking about uh, joining that little tour as like some type of uh, golf expert. Anybody seeing, hey, anybody out there seeing Charles Barkley swing a golf club? Does that look like an expert to you? <laughs> he wants to be a golf expert analyst over there. And uh, I mean, 
mean, is he is he good at golf? Do we know? I, I don't Are know. You hey, am I good at birthing babies? Possibly. I don't well, think I mean, did I just assume your gender? It wouldn't it wouldn't be the first <laughs> uh, athlete, pro athlete, to be good at something other than whatever made them famous, right? There's all the time. There's NFL players who play golf and do tours and all that kind of well, stuff. Hold on, you're talking about him being a commentator on golf, right? Yeah. Well, hey, I have I have no golf. reason to believe whatsoever that the that the commentators on golf are themselves good at it. I mean, you can be a really effective commentator at golf and have no arms. Hey, look, I've seen him swing a golf club. There ain't no way in hell he'll ever be good at golf, okay? He's a buffoon. He's made, you know what, to me, once he stopped playing basketball, he's made a lot of money being a buffoon because he says he was going to run for governor of Alabama. Then <laughs> the governor of Alabama. Well, he's got he name recognition, that's for sure. You're right. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that's probably why they're hiring him for this job. I mean, at, at least it's in the consideration is just that he's famous enough that people will go, ooh, Charles Barkley. I'll watch that. No, you know what I would say? Oh, Charles Barkley, click. <laughs> that's what I would say, because he's a clown. I, I don't know why people like him. He well, said he was misquoted in his own book. Why, How the hell did that happen? Why do you care about him? No, I don't really care about him, but I think that anybody that goes Your actions these beg to differ. People, you cared about him look, enough to call and bring it up on live get, talk radio. Look, I'll, I'll get over my dislike for him, but what yeah, these I mean, Saudi people are doing is, 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 is awful, okay? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, I got, I got to say, like, uh, so there's a, an economic principle in, uh, in the Austrian school that uh, it's actually your activities that show what your values are. And I know for a fact there are plenty of people who, like, they would love to call in and argue, but they don't, they just don't have the, the guts to do it. I mean, it's, it's a little, you know, terrifying to be on national radio. And the first time. Right. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you are willing to overcome what they cannot to talk about someone who you say you don't really care about. Look, they were make, I heard an interview with him today where he and some other guys were making jokes. He said, Charles Barker said, oh, that's enough money. You know, they offer you enough money. You would kill a relative. There is no amount of money in the world you could offer me to kill someone, whether they be a relative or not. Hey, I just want to ask a question, Charles Barker. Would you kill your own mother for money, Charles? Huh? Your own mother. Hey, Jerome, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 603-283-6160. I, Jerome, a man from South Carolina who uh, doesn't, claims he doesn't care about Charles Barkley, but decides to call national radio about it. I applaud him calling in and not being angry at the Republicans for once. Oh, I don't know. Is Barkley a Republican? More Free Talk Live is coming up. Yes, it is Free Talk Live. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in tonight. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass, joining me. Peakless Mountaineer. 
I do want to tell you that Bitcoin.com is the best source for learning about cryptocurrency. You can go there right now, click on Get Started at the top of the page. When you do that, you'll find all sorts of valuable information neatly organized to suit your needs. There's no longer any excuse to ignore this very important, world-changing information. If you are a knowledgeable crypto user, you can check out news.bitcoin.com to get the latest headlines of all the news that's relevant to you. Bitcoin.com is your source for everything crypto, like getting a wallet, mining, trading, and all the latest cryptocurrency news, all on a very slick and easy-to-use website. Visit Bitcoin.com. All right, so in the previous segment, uh, Jerome called, and he had two questions. Uh, One, is Putin a war criminal? Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. In fact, I would be willing to say that every president of every country is a war criminal um maybe not every country not every definitely every president that i'm aware of of this country for certain i mean uh except for william henry harrison his like as a president he was not a war criminal because he didn't get anything done (laughs) sometimes doing nothing is the right choice and when you're president that's about as well as you can do uh, he also had a question about Charles Barkley. He somehow thinks Charles Barkley's a scumbag because Charles Barkley is going to try and be a commentator for some golf thing that he's, you know. And he claims to not care about Charles Barkley, but he called into a nationally syndicated talk radio program to talk about Charles Barkley. So, I mean, uh, you know, he must care somewhat. I mean, demonstrably, he cares more than just about anything that, you know, can be safely talked about in FCC-regulated format because he could have talked about anything. So I just uh, typed into my favorite search engine, uh, Charles Barkley, Republican, and what did I find? Hmm. Something interesting. Uh, This is from, what did I say it was, 2021 in April? Yeah, because usually uh, Jerome only calls in to complain about what the Republicans are up to. Yeah, uh, especially Trump, but you know, not always. And this time it was uh, it was a variation. So, yeah. so this from phillyvoice.com, dot com, April fourth, twenty twenty one. Charles Barkley rebukes politicians for trying to make whites and blacks not like each other, and I'm like brilliant i've been saying this for a long time i mean people keep talking about uh, the, the term systemic racism right uh they are trying to divide and conquer all of us so that they can maintain control that's how they do it that's how they maintain their control by dividing and conquering yeah they are trying very 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 hard and have been for decades to make sure that black people and white people hate each other preferably enough in their opinion to go to war with each other that would suit them just fine this article says charles barkley gave a hitting critique of american politics on saturday accusing both republicans and democrats uh, the lawmakers of attempting to make whites and blacks not like each other here's the actual quote i'm not going to read this whole article uh And it's, uh, well, it's rather long for a quote, but he says, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer, Barkley said. I truly believe in my heart that most white people and black people are awesome people. 
but we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, he continued. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. Charles Barkley sounds like an enlightened individual. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, dead on. I I, I forget the guy's name, but like uh, I remember researching how the uh, the head of the Black Panthers in uh, Chicago was starting to make peace with the. Uh, uh, the there was an, a, a similar organization, but they were all white Southerners, and uh, they they had made peace and joined forces, like to the point where like they had been using the stars and bars, the old Confederate flag, as sort yeah. of their uh, you know their calling card because it was something that the people from the South were used to seeing, and it was uh, you know. Uh, something they could relate to and sort of be like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's our people. And, you know, he'd, they'd become such friends that he'd, you know, sufficiently explained uh, what the, the way that uh, the black people looked at that same thing. And he was like, it, and they had stopped using it. And right. as he was just about to be like the, the number one head honcho for all of the Black Panthers, he got assassinated. Like, straight up murdered by the police. Surprise. Because the one thing that they cannot ever stomach is the people coming together against them. Yeah, that's true. That, that is very true. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of memes that say as much that I really like online. One is the, uh, you know, the, the black man and the white man. They're like, you know, sort of uh, they shake hands together and it says basically what you just summed up there, which is that is the one thing the system really fears is all of us coming together and going, no, absolutely system. You're the problem. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's less cut and dry in the case of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. But uh, the, the evidence shows that he had just started moving into like uh, really analyzing poverty and how poverty was really the source of uh, of all of the trouble that black people were going through. And he had come to realize that the poorest people in this nation were not, in fact, inner city black people, but uh, the the hillbillies basically mm-hmm. of uh, Appalachia. Right. That they are. They still are, by the way, the poorest people in America and right. to a large extent live in somewhat third world conditions. And. Oh, we can't have the black leadership getting interested in that. So one of the interesting, we were talking about war in a couple of previous segments. And one of the interesting things about war today is that while there is a whole bunch of stuff in the news talking about, you know, Ukraine and the U.S. doing this, that and the other and the allies doing this and the Russians and the Chinese and all that kind of stuff, I've noticed there seems to be more war on their own citizens than on each other, at least by way of comparison. Usually when we hear about war and we think about war, we think about one nation, you know, battling with another nation. But we're seeing more and more governments targeting their own people. We've seen it here in the United States a bit, as evidenced by, oh, I don't know, the Crypto6.com, oh, for it's, example. It's a pure historical fact that more people have died of what, of what's called democide, yes. which is governments targeting their own population, than have ever died in the wars. Like, at any pe- analyze any period of time, and you will find that that is the case. But you had mentioned uh, that you wanted to talk about, and we can talk about this coming up, that you wanted to talk about some things going on specifically in china uh with some tanks yep so we'll get to that 
888-283-6160. More Free Talk Live is coming up. Come on and listen to Free Talk Live seven nights a week from 7 p.m. until 10 p.m. Eastern Time every day, nightly, 365 days. Well, there's a couple of days when we don't actually do a live show, but there is a show 7 p.m. until 10 p.m. every day. There's only a couple of occasions, uh, the festivals, the Porcupine Freedom Festival and the Fork Fest uh, where we do broadcasts from the festival, so they're actually a little bit pre-recorded before they go on air. That's about the only time I can think of. Oh, unless uh, there's multiple federal and local police, uh, military gear-wearing <laughs> people storming in the studio and breaking up uh, all of the studio and arresting people who put on this show. Uh, there might not be a live show when things like that go down. So mm. outside of that, though, we're here seven nights a week doing this show. Oh, um, and occasionally uh, other, uh, like uh, Mark just did, uh, what was it, Freedom Fest? Oh, right, yes. Yeah, so that yes. was, uh, what, a day or two that uh, that we were not uh, live and taking callers. But really, that's about it. Yeah, so seven nights a week, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Some folks won't be listening to this show between 7 and 10 Eastern, and if that's the case and you want to call, call between 7 and 10 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll do our best to get you on the air. Uh, the telephone number is 603-283-6160. I do want to talk about uh, the China thing that you want to talk about, but first let's go to, we've got Major Payne calling from Michigan. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, peace, guys. You guys? Gave me a pretty good segue here talking about the government trying to sick its populace upon one another. I have in my possession a copy of the Detroit Free Press from Sunday, April 20th, 1952. And the name of the article is How the Wily Reds Set Foe on Foe. A document said to have been found on a dead Russian secret police officer details communist methods of weakening opponents through terror. i got to turn this radio down. It's yeah, back. I was going to say, am I hearing an echo there? You should uh, you should know better, Major. Shame. <laughs> I know, I know. This ain't your first rodeo, as uh, my people are, are like to yeah. say. All right. So, to continue, um, published by the National... Okay. Anyway, it was a come off a dead Russian uh, secret police officer. Okay. Detailing communist methods of weakening opponents to terror. Published by the National Committee National Committee for a Free Europe, New York, it was reportedly found on the officer's body, found in Poland in 1948. What does it say? It got it from a cabinet minister of one of the Baltic nations swallowed by a Russian. Although the document, all through the document, all through, let's see, all through the document, the whole non-communist world is considered enemy area. The whole non-communist world is considered enemy, enemy area. That's worth repeating. 
The major problem to get segments of the anti-communists to fight each other so it was to weaken themselves without any loss to the communist world. The document cites as a classic example the struggle between the Poles and the Ukrainians in 1942. Both were supposed to be fighting the Germans. The document reveals that these communists decided to strike three groups at once, Germans, Poles, and Ukraines, large numbers of whom always wanted to be free of Moscow. Huh. Communists formed small groups acting as Poles and Ukrainians and started fighting each other. Almost immediately, true Poles and Ukrainians got into the fight. The communist conspirators got out and let the Poles and Ukrainians go on killing each other. That's right. only half the Right. Let, let me stop you right there, Major, because uh, what you're describing is something known as agent provocateur or agent's provocateur. This is where... Somebody with an agenda will infiltrate a group of people or start a group of their own for the purpose of infiltrating and try to get people to act in a certain way or go along with their agenda for their reasons. Uh, that is to say... the FBI playbook, don't it? It, it sure does. Where they got it from. Yeah, it's, okay, also, so it's also a, a, a classical fla uh, false flag. Yeah. All right, so that, it's only a little bit longer. Let me, let me right, finish it out because the last paragraph is the best. Go for it. The document says the action, number one, prevents cooperation between Poles and Ukrainians. Number two, weakened the Polish position before the world when it came for them to ask for its old eastern border. And number three, reveals which Poles and Ukrainians had strong national feelings. Such people would later be liquidated. The document is vague on how the pocket-sized war affected the Germany. The document describes as another use of terror in Poland in which the blame was thrown on the enemy to the communists started it, and the Poles did most of the fighting. There was a point in the world, in World War II, hang on, i got to pop the paper, this thing is huge. Um, He's reading from an actual newspaper. I know, right? Oh, dude, yeah, these things back in 1952, when you seen, you know, Father Knows Best or whatever, and Daddy disappeared behind the newspaper, that's how big <laughs> it was. Yeah, I, I've I've read newspapers. Finish finish the uh, story here. All right, so uh, there was a point in World War II when the Poles, who had not been too much disturbed by the Germans, refused to help the Soviet units and wanted to penetrate Germany, ger penetrate German areas held in Poland. So the communists say that the document decided to make the Poles angry at the Germans. Yeah. They set up a unit to hit the Germans in such a way that the Germans put the blame on the Poles. They immediately turned on the Poles, shot some, sent others to concentration camps, burned farmhouses, and the Poles rolled in rose in anger against them. The document says the Red Army commanders used as a trick caused the German officers on battle lines to help stop desertion from the Red Army. Russian officers ordered their German prisoners terribly mistreated. This document continues. Yeah. That produced an immediate contradiction, and and the Germans instituted reprisals and began to shoot captured Soviet army enemy personnel. Desertion ceased. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. And then the doc. Here's the last paragraph. The document warns that the communist terror must camouflage this action. So that the blame falls on the enemy. And meanwhile, 
appears before the world as an advocate for peace. <laughs> hey, Major, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's a great way to have let's you and him fight. Yeah, and it just illustrates how much of political theater is designed for divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Right? And what the pitchfork people angry at the torch people, and they want the torch people angry at the pitchfork people mm-hmm. so that they don't get together and go, hey, wait a minute. These guys are trying to antagonize us against each other. Yeah, I'm, I mean, a perfect example right now is, uh, you know, all these people with the Ukrainian flag, and uh, I'm sure they have plenty of anti-Russian sentiment right now. And I got to tell you, I am against the Russian leadership. I am against the Ukrainian leadership. Mm-hmm. I am in favor of the Ukrainian people. Yes. I am in favor of the Russian people. Yes. I mean, like, man... If we can just be allies as people against the ones who are actually causing us all this damage, I mean, like, it's just insane to become bigoted. I mean, for example, there's a a Russian who fled the USSR named Michael Yakobovich, who's yep. trying to run for Senate right now. Wonderful, amazing man. Now, I would be insane to cut myself off from that resource because I decided to be bigoted against Russians. Right. Now, that doesn't mean one iota less do I want uh, Putin to be brought up for war crimes. I absolutely would love to see that. But that's the difference. Yeah. Well, and the odds of that happening, of course, are very slim. The, you know, uh, any, well, any the odds world of that... leader being brought up on war crimes is like low. Yeah, but they sure do increase when we get together against them. I like the idea of people versus the institution because uh, the institution known as government is certainly the largest harbinger of death ever known to mankind. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live is coming up. Freedom is coming. The freedom is coming. The freedom is coming. Only if you make it happen. Yes, it is Free Talk Live. Thank you for tuning in to the live Saturday night edition. The telephone number here in the studio, if you'd like to join us, 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. Six one six zero for the heart of hearing. It's six zero three <laughs> two eight three six one six zero. Phones are open. What was that? <laughs> in, Say something in the studio tonight. It's myself, the captain, and Peakless Mountaineer. <laughs> That's the tanks we get. Oh, tanks! You like my segue? Thank you very much. Uh, yes. So what? What, what about tanks? I don't like your segue. It's uh, it's not as armored as a tank. <laughs> uh, my segue transforms into a drone. Ah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Although that might be a nifty idea, right? Imagine like a segue that does transform into a drone and just sort of flies away and goes and parks itself somewhere. And then whenever you need it, you're just like snap your fingers or tap something on your phone. and Or you could just have a segue that like rolls itself to your house. That's true. That'd That's be fun. True. So anyway, something's going on in China 
China? Yeah. With the uh not the Chinest, but not China either. <laughs> uh, what's going on in China, Peakless? Uh, plenty, uh, but uh, in particular, what you wanted uh, to talk about yeah, yeah. here on the show tonight? Yeah. So uh, this, uh, so this story sort of got uh, mentioned very briefly last night, and uh, so. Oddly enough, last night, uh, I was, uh, you know, poking around and, like, I got this little alert and it's uh, Matt Taibbi saying, Jesus! And I'm like, okay, what makes Matt Taibbi go Jesus? And I went, Jesus! Because I saw footage of just this massive column of tanks all the way down a street. And so I'm looking into this and uh, and it's the uh, Henan uh, province had this trouble with their banks. And uh, then I saw, uh, you know, so I start poking around, looking into it, and someone else said, like, pointed out, hey, these aren't in Henan. And here's a caption here that says that these are actually in this other town. And uh, so I, I go into this thing. So now now I know what the heck is this whole deal about. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Uh, so back in, uh, I think it was April 15th, uh, the, the bank in Henan province... Uh, had run into this problem. Now, now the banks in China are notorious for corruption. Oh, like, yeah. there's just so many times where, like, they siphon this thing off into their own pocket. And, you know, when you've got, like, a billion people, it's kind of easy to get away with a lot of this stuff. You know, a billion people and, like, unlimited state power is a pretty good combination for corruption. Sure. Um, so a lot of this happens anyway. And one of the rules that they have in China is that banks are only allowed to service the local area. Okay. But what this bank had done is they had this uh, third party come in to try and drum up some extra service uh, because it's not very competitive. And like, uh, so they like, they make really good rates on their loans, but you know, they've only got the local area to draw from. But this third party had gone ahead and gone, oh, well, we're going to put this on the Internet and uh, get all these people who are like 700 miles away from you to to start investing in this bank. OK, so when uh, when the S hits the fan, as it uh, tends to do in, you know, in the financial world, because it's all controlled by unbelievably corrupt bureaucrats who are printing their own money into oblivion and then stealing chunks of it in various ways. So when the when the S hits the fan, like, OK, well, it turns out like there's millions. So there's some six billion dollars that are not allowed to be pulled out of this bank. Right. So the the headline that I saw and I should mention to you mentioned Matt Taibbi, um, if you want to read uh, an accurate uh, yet damning piece about the financial situation in 2008, Matt Taibbi penned an article, I don't remember if it was Time Magazine or the Rural, I don't remember which publication, but it was called uh, something along the lines of uh, uh, everybody's guilty and nobody went to jail. Yeah. yeah with he's, regards to the bankers. So he's a good writer. He does his homework. Yeah, he's, he's honestly one of the only legitimate journalists that exists in the world today. That may be true. I don't, I, I haven't like, you know, I'm not like a super fan of his or anything. It's just that I've ran across his writing on more than one occasion while independently researching other stuff. And I'm like, oh, I remember this guy writes well. So I, you know, will gravitate towards yeah, that. Not, I'm not saying I agree with him on everything, but he seems to actually be doing the job of journalist. 
But uh, but getting back to the to this point at hand, so uh, the so all these depositors who like they suddenly don't have access to their life savings can't get their money right right so they've been protesting since then. And uh, one of the fun things about this is that a lot of them, when they started organizing to to go to the capital city of Henan province uh, to do the protest, suddenly found that their uh, uh, their app on their phone about uh, whether or not you have COVID had turned from green to red, which means that you are not allowed to use any public transportation right. and very frequently have to... Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, quarantine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for for a number of weeks. Oh, how convenient it is that all of a sudden the people who the state has screwed over and who want to protest the fact that they've just had all their money stolen just happened to get COVID at that time. Yeah, I commented on social media somewhere about an article talking about this app and how they're their color turned from green to, to red mm-hmm. m- mysteriously overnight or whatever mm-hmm. so that they couldn't go to the protest. Mm-hmm. Right Now, this is how stupid human beings are. These people have been convinced that their app changing color prevents them from going somewhere to protest. Well, and to some extent they're right because, like, you – you literally cannot pay to get on the train to go to the capital city if your app is still red. Sure. I understand that there are some mechanics behind that, but that doesn't prevent you from protesting, right? What yeah. it does, what it does is it, it, mm. it puts up a roadblock, but it doesn't, uh, it's not insurmountable. Right. Uh, you can still walk, you can drive. There's, you know, horses, there's buggies. There's, well, they're not used you know, to driving. I understand. I understand. Well, or I, thinking for themselves. And I don't know enough about way. I don't know enough about this particular province. But imagine being so subdued, whether it's by technology or not, that you believe that you can't do anything about your situation because an app changed color. Yeah, that's the part that bothers me well, the most. That's collectivist culture for you. And you know, coming soon. Right. Oh yeah, We're coming very soon. Oh yeah, to this is the plan. Make no mistake. To a telephone near you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but- and I, I mean, it's why I keep ranting about a central bank digital currency because they absolutely want to make sure that you cannot spend your money on doing anything that they disapprove of, and that's the best way for them to do that. But anyway, so I'm I'm researching this, and it turns out that uh, these tanks weren't actually in Henan Province at all. So they're actually in the next province over and at a port city and not like a huge major city, not at a capital, but like just at a port city. So it's like, wait a second, there's an entire row of tanks in a in a Chinese port city. Mm -hmm. And honestly, so like everyone says, like these are are to avoid a run on the bank. And that very well may be true. It may be that what they're trying to avoid here. But, I mean, that's one story, too, is that they're not trying to avoid a run on the Henan Bank. They're trying to make sure that this, like, if the, if that's what they're there for, they're trying to make sure that this doesn't spread. Oh, that because there are people who know that they can't get their money out of the one bank, that people who bank at other banks aren't going to make a run mm-hmm. in advance of that happening to them. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point, right, because people are capable of 
you know, reading between the lines, particularly when it comes to their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, bank runs are typically a reaction to some sort of news mm-hmm. uh, or some sort of uh, failure oh, yeah. of either the financial system or the government or both. Yep. So, But the other thing that this occurred to me is that, okay, wait a second, you are suddenly moving a tremendous number of tanks to where they can be easily loaded onto ships. And it made me think about the the struggles with, like, the possibility of a Taiwanese invasion. And, I mean, right now would be a pretty decent time for them to do so with, uh, with uh, America largely distracted by Ukraine. 603-283-6160 is the number if you'd like to comment. Here at Free Talk Live, is a Taiwan invasion coming? Give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. More Free Talk Live is coming up. Free Talk Live, kicking off hour number three of this live Saturday night program. 603-283-6160 is the telephone number if you would like to chime in, take control of the airwaves, and talk about whatever's on your mind. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass. And Peakless Mountaineer. Uh, We were talking about... Well, all sorts of things, uh, but in particular, these Chinese banks, or at least one of them, which... Banks and tanks. Yeah, banks and tanks. And uh, there's people who can't get their money out of their bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what can people do? Because if we see it happening somewhere, we know it's going to happen again. These governments, uh, generally speaking, do the monkey see, monkey do. If they find a way to oppress people and it works or a way to extract more wealth out of people and it works, then another government's going to try it somewhere. Uh, we know that inflation is a global phenomenon now, uh, and that is because of central banking. Mm-hmm. So we know that this is not just a localized thing here within the United States. Uh, it is happening uh, a whole, all around the globe, well, as and- they say. And if central banking and uh, the kind of central banking that we have, fiat currency, rather than, you know, backing it with something, if that was not the norm throughout the world, then this country simply could not have gotten away with inflating the currency to the degree that we have. I mean, if you are competing in a fair market, you just can't get away with certain things because you'll get creamed, you'll get replaced. People will go to a functional alternative, but if there is no functional alternative, then you can get away with continuing to do this. And I just want to point out that there is a functional alternative to government currencies, uh, one that was not developed by a government, one that is not under their control, one that can't be inflated by government, one that they cannot... Uh, shut down. They cannot invade the headquarters of this type of uh, currency because they don't exist. What is it backed by? It's backed by mathematics purely, and it's called cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically. Mathematics and the greatest amount of processing power that mankind has ever put forth. And we could talk more about that, but uh, let's go to Dave, or I'm sorry, Robert in South Carolina. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Okay, yes. I just wanted to say yes, that 
China is uh, it's moved in, in the fall, and it's uh, probably going to be sometime in September or October. That is to say, because of the political situation in the United States, and also the fact that um, that uh, President Xi told President um, Putin uh, during his last visit in, to China in the Olympics that that, that was the plan. And um, also, it, it's a good time to fight because it's the summer heat is over, but the winter hasn't set in yet, so that's a good advantage for them. So and, now, let me. I just want to get this straight. Do you think uh, Taiwan will invade China, or China will invade Taiwan? Um, China will probably not invade Taiwan. It, I'm sure it will do its best to 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 um, to get its influence going there. In, in the least damaging way possible, because they certainly don't want to to acquire a pile of rubble. They would like to ever acquire everything in pristine situation, and optimally have the Taiwanese operate and manage everything under their in their on their behalf. Well, I hope you're right about that, because I know a lot of people are spoiling for uh, an intervention on uh, by the United States uh, federal military if China does decide to invade Taiwan. And I could not be more against that just out of, if nothing more, self, uh, self-preservation. self Because, again, that is a situation where you are playing with nuclear fire. Well, like I say, they, they, the Chinese are, are really not confrontational people. They would much rather do their homework and have everything be said and done when it, when the time comes. It's, 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 it, why would they want to have a confrontation, a military confrontation, if it's not absolutely necessary? When the Chinese are ready, what they'll do is they'll put everything into place and there won't be anything to discuss. It'll be clear what the situation is. Well, I mean, it is always possible that they will expand NATO to include Taiwan. I mean, they're already talking about expanding it to, to Japan. It'll be too late. Come again? You said it'll, it'll be, be too late. late. In what sense? In the sense that uh, September and October are almost here. Hold on. So what exactly do you think uh, September and October will bring? I think it'll bring uh, Chinese to the point of basically getting the the Taiwanese to, to cooperate with whatever they've got in mind. I think the question is more, why do you think that uh, this type of an action is seasonal? Oh, because uh, first of all, uh, once the elections happen in the United States, the p- politicians that are in office will realize what the situation for them is, and they'll have nothing to lose by doing whatever they think is 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 is, is necessary. And that could be very different. Who knows exactly what that'll be? So that's that's the situation the Chinese would prefer not to have. And um, the other thing is that it's much easier and better to fight um, in, in September, October, rather than the broiling and broiling sun of the summer. Well, I thought you said that they wouldn't be invading, though. No, they 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 they, they they'll they'll just use their their super force. In other words, zillions, a zillion, an overpowering threat, basically to to get them to be kind of cooperative. That's what they've always done in the past with regard to Taiwan. Try to get parties in there, political politicians in there. That are kind of favorable and friendly towards them. Sure, a little bit of coercion, but then also you want to take out, you know, whatever leaders are in there and replace them with ones that are friendly to your particular nation. Well, that sounds like an invasion to me. And, and uh, be, before we let you go, I I want to know why you think that uh, this is what uh, uh, she and Putin discussed. 
Um, well, it's confirmed by intelligence, uh, if you have any doubts. Oh, I always doubt what uh, what the spies tell me. Isn't that right, well, the, intelligence? <laughs> the, the other thing is, this is, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, uh, September and October. It's, everything is, is right for that, for, that, for that time, actually. All right, hey, thanks for the call, Robert. We appreciate it. That is affirmative. That's, well, that's only what time it, will tell. That's what intelligence says. No, oh, wow. have you not seen? It's been a while. Okay. No, right. no, uh, America. That's the one. Yeah. If yeah, 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 that's the one. There's a character in that movie. For those who haven't seen, there's a character in that movie known as Intelligence. And every now and again, they ask him a question, and Intelligence is straight up like a baked surfer. Mm. Right? That is affirmative, right? You know, whenever he says something. So, yeah, yeah. and and once again, never trust an acronym. Intelligence was an acronym in that. In that, yeah. yeah. Did it? What did it stand for? I don't know at all. Mm. All right. Well, uh, so going back to the the banks thing, uh, there is for the first time uh, non governmental infrastructure, and and that is cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically. Separating money and state is, in my opinion, more important than the separation of church and state. Mm. Now, we've already sort of gone through the separation of church and state as far as, you know, at least on paper is concerned. But why do I say separation of money and state is more important? Because it really, really, really takes the teeth out of the state. They can no longer take Mm. loans out against future generations of people and saddle future generations with debt they had nothing to do with in the first place. If you separate the money from the state, they have to then beg for every penny they get for things like mm, defense, military spending, every year. If you saw the bill every year come to your house for how much money you are supposedly giving up, and uh, in, in, in debt as a result of the United States action, the wars would end tomorrow. Yeah, suddenly a lot of people would have the compassion to end the wars. And then a bigger bill would be to those left, and more of them would find the compassion until finally it's on that one last person, and suddenly they feel it's not worth a trillion dollars to keep this war going. 603-283-6160. Do you believe in the separation of money and state? This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160 is the phone number. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. And Peakless Mountaineer. Do you really want liberty in your lifetime? I know I do. Later this year, Mark is speaking at Free Cities Foundation's annual conference, Liberty in Our Lifetime. It's located in the beautiful city of Prague from October 21st through the 23rd and showcases autonomous cities and intentional communities that are springing up around the world, 
offering opportunities for settlers to live freer lives. The conference theme is Parallel Structures for Progress, and will explore physical developments and parallel structures emerging in education and finance that offer alternatives for people looking for better ways to learn, educate their children, and invest in their future. Free Private Cities is offering all Free Talk Live listeners a special 20% discount on tickets, which can be claimed when checking out on Eventbrite with the promo code FTL20. That's FTL20. To find out more about the conference, visit LifetimeLiberty.com and follow the conference on Twitter via the handle at LibertyIOL. Make sure you get your tickets soon to take advantage of the early bird discount. If you'd like to buy your tickets in Bitcoin, you can drop them a Twitter DM for instructions on how to do so. Again, LifetimeLiberty.com. Use the code FTL20 to get your discount. This will be held in Prague October 21st through the 23rd. LifetimeLiberty.com. All right. I do love those parallel structures. Well, and we're actually talking about one right now, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or we this past segment and mm-hmm. up, up until this point, uh, we had been mentioning the separation of money and state and how there is an exit. There is an off ramp to, you know, if you're afraid that uh, the, you know, you've got a bunch of money in the bank and that uh, the banking system will fail and or the dollar will, you know, take a, a even deeper dive than it already has. Uh, whenever there's an announcement coming up, right, by the Federal Reserve. Oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, the 27th, the Federal Reserve's uh, Open Market Committee is uh, going to make a press release at uh, about 2.30 p.m. where they tell us how much they're uh, hiking the base rates. And uh, personally, I, I am very pessimistic at the outcome on this because, like, uh, basically people are ready for like a a 75 basis point hike. Mm -hmm. And I think that he will probably announce a full percentage point and very possibly announce a percentage and a half because so far, like, yeah, it's been small amounts, but he's been doubling it every time. So if he does continue that trend, he will take the entire market off guard uh, I mean, the amount is still small, but like they are not ready for that. It's not uh, what they call priced in. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's a if it's a large amount that he announces, then there's going to be a total freak out and at least a short term crash in the stock market. So a big announcement. And if you're concerned that whatever money you're keeping in, you know, for example, the United States dollars, the USD, as we like to refer to it. Uh, I like to call it uh, blood money. Yeah, we've heard that uh, phrase earlier today. Well, you know, it's uh, it's basically the war dollar is what it is. If you're concerned that you might lose it all or that your savings is going to take a hit or that uh, you're going to lose your retirement or you're just concerned that the banks aren't going to let you access your money when you need it. You earned it. It's your money. You should be able to access it whenever. There are alternatives for the first time. There are alternatives and people can't tell you no you can't do it you could a guy could if a guy had i don't know let's start with a small number a guy had five thousand dollars in his savings account right that's all he's got that's all he managed to save up and he was concerned it's literally possible for him to move that entire five thousand dollars out of the usd system and into cryptocurrency whether it's bitcoin bitcoin cash any of the cryptocurrencies you know pick the one you think is going to do the best the one you like the most 
you know, you can literally do that and do it like today, tonight. Like Bitcoin doesn't have banking hours. You can do it like whenever. Yeah. And I mean, if uh, if he was someone who, you know, doesn't trust this Bitcoin thing. OK, well, there, if you're if you're worried about the price volatility, because that tends to be a major concern with people. If you're worried about the price volatility, but you kind of maybe don't want to have your your money where it can be suddenly stolen from you, as so many countries have in the past, what they call like a bail-in. Oh, it was just a haircut by stealing 20% of all of our depositors' accounts. Uh, Well, you can just pick a stable coin that you trust, and then the, the price won't be so volatile. Now, for myself, I much prefer to move into a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, where like, yeah, the price is a little volatile for sure. However, over if it's if you're using it as a form of savings, I mean, it just doesn't even compare to what's available to you. I mean, I can get like, what, a 0.1% return or something ridiculous if I have a, a savings account at a bank. Right. Or if I, uh, you know, really work hard to like figure out how to get myself a treasury or a note or a bond. Oh, I can have a, a, a return that is significantly less than the depreciation of the dollar itself anyway. So I will lose less that way or i could go huh well there seems to be this four-year cycle of uh, what we call the happening mm-hmm. and there's a tremendous increase every single uh four-year period in bitcoin and i mean it's like doubling and quadrupling at every one of these and go you know i'm willing to take the the risk to see if that keeps going because that ability to save is great yeah. And quite honestly, I would much rather have if all I had in savings. And again, when I mean save when I say savings, I mean money that like I'm not touching. Right. right? I don't have it earmarked for something later. It's just money that I've saved and I don't plan on touching, you know, maybe until retirement or something like that. And if all I had was five grand in a bank account right now in USD, I would move that immediately into one of the cryptocurrencies, likely Bitcoin. Uh, because it's on sale right now, we've already seen it top at sixty-eight. Was it thousand dollars per Bitcoin? Uh, sixty-eight, sixty-nine. Yeah, so, I think it was okay. I don't know what the official number is, but uh, certainly it was worth a lot more than it is now. It's on sale right now, and if you look at if you, if you zoom out and you look at the actual curve, you can see that while there is some price volatility, that the curve is an upward curve, and it's trend. It's going to continue to trend that way, particularly because the infrastructure building has not stopped. There are so many startup companies and so many other people out there doing coding work for cryptocurrencies that, and other people beginning to accept it or devising ways to process it, uh, building different user interfaces for it. Like the building of the infrastructure to support this stuff has not stopped. Yeah. The value has increased. The usage has increased. All of the things that you would look for keep going up except for the price at the moment. Right. At the moment. And, and that's the thing. Sure. Sure, this isn't one of those like uh, I need a quick rainy day fund. Oh, my tire went out and I gotta get uh, my my carburetor fixed. No, this is this is a savings thing, where like okay, I can actually retire one day and not depend on the government to pull the social security check out from under me. And most importantly, a bank can't tell you that you cannot access it. Once you have your keys, it's yours. Amen. More free talk live is coming up. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero.
Yes, it is Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160 is the telephone number. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass, joining me. Peakless Mountaineer. And before we go on, I want to say thank you to Andrew Loy. Andrew Loy is a gold amps subscriber. What does that mean? He's an amplifier. He's an amp subscriber. What does that mean, Captain? Well, if you pop on over to amps.freetalklive.com, that's A-M-P-S dot freetalklive.com, you'll see that Andrew Loy has chosen to give some money to this radio program. Where does this money go, you might ask? Well, it goes to help get this program on more radio stations first, and then a general promotion of this show so that we can reach more ears with the philosophies of freedom, peace, prosperity, and anti-war, among other things. If you enjoy the hosts, the co-hosts, the cast of characters that we have, the callers, if you derive value from any of it, please consider becoming an amplifier over at amps.freetalklive.com. You do get some perks for your contribution. There's some little things we give you. Um, but that's like not, a commercial free version of our show, but that's not the reason you should go. The reason you should go and, and decide to become an amplifier is because you find value in this show and you want to make, you know, do your part, help this show, get on more radio stations, help us promote the philosophies of peace, freedom, and prosperity. So thank you, Andrew Loy. We appreciate you. Amps.freetalklive.com. And as a uh, gold level, that's uh, what? $10. And uh, we do only ask five. It is. So, uh, yeah, that's that's double the amount, that the, the minimum. So Andrew is a generous person, and we thank him for his contribution. Uh, let's go to your calls and thoughts. I believe this is David in New Mexico. David? David in New Mexico going once. David in New Mexico going twice. All right, well. We'll see if he chimes back in. Uh, I do want to talk about Dave Chappelle real quick. Uh, Many of you probably are familiar that uh, his Netflix special, uh, his most recent Netflix special, uh, received some criticisms, and he faced uh, potential cancellation, which uh, Netflix much to my surprise, said, uh, no, we're not going to cancel it. Uh, it is still the most watched comedy special of Netflix of all time. Right. He uh, also was uh, famously attacked to no avail to yes. the attacker. And so I don't want to talk about that. I, hmm. I just want to remind everybody that that he was almost canceled because of the backlash by cancel culture mm-hmm. uh, about some things that he said. Dave Chappelle is a very funny man. He recently was mm, i don't even know how to how to phrase this uh he went to a an art school uh to learn acting uh, before becoming a comedian and the school that he went to wants to name their theater after dave chappelle so it's a in washington dc it's the duke ellington uh school out there and they wanted to name their theater the dave chappelle theater at duke ellington 
And that's kind of a prestigious thing. Yeah, you, know, you went to a school, you've you know achieved you know whatever it is you've achieved, and the school is like, hey, we need to recognize this person because you know he came from this school, and so they asked him for permission. And so on Netflix right now is something called What's in a Name, and you'll probably find it under the comedy. It is Dave Chappelle. It is. It may at first appear to be. Uh, yet another Dave Chappelle comedy special. And it is funny. I've well, seen he's it. a very funny man. I've seen it. Dave Chappelle is a very funny man. Uh, but that is not what it is. It is, in fact, his acceptance speech for this honor of this theater at Duke Ellington being named after him. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but he does turn down the naming of the theater after himself. And he does it very well, very classy, all the while also doing something that I can only be described as absolutely pro-free speech. Which is awesome. Yeah, one one thing I have always loved about Dave Chappelle, he does not pull punches. He tells you exactly what he thinks, Yes. no matter what. I may not always agree with him, but I appreciate and admire that because we need those comedians. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that this exists. It's out there. If you have ever enjoyed anything Dave Chappelle has ever done, if you've ever laughed at any of his stand-up comedy or any of his television shows or his specials, do yourself a favor and check this out. It's on Netflix. It's called What's in a Name. And, uh, you know, if Dave Chappelle left the living tomorrow, this would be just you know, a, a way for him to go out and go out on top mm. uh, as he, you know, seems to like to do. So, well, and I have always appreciated how he is willing to challenge the powerful. Like uh, oh, yeah. one of my favorite moments of his is I, I think he was talking to uh, Oprah at the time about how uh, just the toxic culture of, uh, of Hollywood and trying to produce this television show and how like the executive producers would like get, strangely insistent on like bizarre behavior like oh well here's this sketch of uh, you wearing a dress and he's like ah, i'm not i'm not doing and they oh come on it'd be really funny and like they just kept pushing it and then he like he realizes he's like wait a second like there are so many uh, b- important black figures that have all at some point had to wear a dress i mean like you know wesley snipes one of the most badass people ever and he sure had to do to Wong Fu now, didn't he? Mm. And and there's others, other examples. And it's, you know, just one of those strange things. Like, why are you uh, feminizing what could be, you know, powerful, uh, positive masculine figures? Uh, let's give this one more try here. Let's go to David in New Mexico. David. Hello, are you there? There you are. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? All right. Oh, government. But uh, oh, I once uh, dated one of Barclay's, Charles Barkley's sloppy seconds after he was through. How, how was that? And, uh, she was cute. Would, would he Would he have any other? Well, it does sound like you're uh, dating above your station, perhaps. I mean, yeah, that's, I was. That, that's the way you should go. I mean, if you if you could pull it off, you know, do do exactly that, in my opinion. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to look at uh, Charles Barkley's golf swing on. Uh, I think you can probably find it on YouTube. It's pretty <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> it's, yeah, it, you you are you are guaranteed to laugh. You will not be able to not laugh when you watch Charles Barkley uh, on that video. I'm assuming it's still available online from 15 years ago or whatever it was. Hey, what do you think of uh, his words? Uh, he says, I, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so that they can keep their grasp of money and power. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's as old as the hills, a divide and conquer, divide and conquer. Yeah. Keep them occupied fighting each other. I, I was surprised to hear that that was, you know, I, I don't know much about Charles Barkley other than he played some basketball. That's really all I know. Uh, I know he's been a talking head, you know, here and there doing some, you know, broadcasting, that kind of stuff. So uh, much to my surprise to hear those words coming out of, you know, somebody's mouth that, uh, you know, I've really paid no attention to. Oh, yeah. Well, should, yeah Charles Barkley is actually pretty smart on politics stuff. Um mm-hmm. Uh, he's got his good. He's got his good and his bad, but he's he's very entertaining to uh, listen to. And uh, so much for uh, government. I, I was going to uh, share a recent discovery. All right, stand by. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. More free talk live is coming up. What do you think? Did Charles Barkley help spread the truth, or is he just speaking politics for no reason? Welcome back to Free Talk Live. We're a live call-in radio program where you can talk about whatever is on your mind. Uh, we'll get to your calls and thoughts in just a moment. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass, joining me. Peakless Mountaineer. And uh, let's go back to David in New Mexico. David, you called for a reason, I assume, and you didn't get to get it out. Let's. Uh, what, what do you got? Exposing government, uh, citing once again uh, a 30-year career-long uh, uh, news and politics professional, Joe Monahan's NewMexico.blogspot.com. Summer's complaint was settled with both parties agreeing to a secret agreement. This was a judge, remember, and uh, Summers is the woman he was having an affair with, Judge sure. Tommy Jewell. Judge continuing, Judge Brennan resigned from the bench in 2004 after being arrested on cocaine possession and drunk driving charges. It doesn't mention here. He also, he also beat his girlfriend, uh, but doesn't mention that. Uh, I wish they'd all uh, resign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this domestic violence complaint against Judge Tommy Jewell from back in 1999, this woman, Summers, who alleges that Judge Tommy Jewell uh, committed an act of domestic violence against her, was speaking to uh, Joe Monahan in approximately 2006, which is interesting to note because in 2007, a year later, Judge Tommy Jewell's wife, Judge Angela Jewell, heard my case regarding my children, and she was all nasty to me and uh, destroyed my, my life with my children, basically. And I wonder if Judge Angela Jewell was fit to be making decisions about uh, men and women 
uh, in custody cases where people allege this, that, and the other thing, whether it be domestic violence or whatever other kind of allegation they want to make. I want to know, I wonder if she was uh, in a mental state uh, after her, uh, her black husband had found himself a, a white uh, woman to have an affair with. And, I'm going to guess and, uh, that the answer to your question is no, and uh, thank you for the call, David. Um, because I don't think any of these people are fit for the things that they do. I don't care if they're elected or if they're hired. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the agency, the uh, institution known as government, is based on coercion and violence. And so anytime you're employed by an employer who bases everything they do on coercion and violence, there's no way you can th- that is fit for anybody. Yeah, and this is this is built on what was a functional system once upon a time where there were simply elders in a community that were trusted by the members of those community who knew them personally. So you could go to those people to judge when there was a dispute. But this is nothing of that sort. It is built on that system. It is a false mimic of a functional system where you go to wise people who you know to help you solve problems. Right. Uh, let's go to Unscreened Caller. You're on Free Talk Live. What's your name, please? My name is Charmaine. Hey, Charmaine. Where are you calling from? Um, ten- Jackson, Tennessee. Jackson, Tennessee. And what's on your mind tonight? You're live on the air. Okay. Um, do you guys know what to do about radiation poisoning? I got that from a smart meter, um, simply because I have chronic Lyme and scleroderma. So some people that have you know, other things going on in their body, I am not a uh, a medical expert by any stretch of the imagination. I wouldn't feel comfortable giving you advice on it. Um, I can say there's a few things that I that I know that are supposed to help prevent it, but I don't think that's going to help you. Uh, Peakless, do you? Uh, yeah the the one thing that I know that has uh, uh, that has in some cases helped with uh, with uh, uh, radiation is uh, iodine mm-hmm. and uh, especially so. Uh, uh, seaweed is an especially good uh, source of iodine. It's uh, it's a natural source that includes all of the uh, all of the compounds and uh, catalysts that uh, help you to digest and integrate that. But uh, as I understand it, uh, iodide uh, will will help take the uh, the irradiated molecules out of the body. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I do have some iodine. I'm gonna. Now, now, mind you, be be careful with that because, like, I don't mean the sort of like you know iodine in a bottle that like you can. I don't mean to suggest that you can like drink a bottle of iodine. That's that's oh, not what uh-huh. I'm saying at all. But like, uh, there there are nutritional sources of it. Um, I, I know that, uh, but yeah. So you know, be careful. Make sure that you get the right stuff. Um, and and like I said, if uh, if you can get it from a natural source like uh, seaweed, that's uh, that's even better for you. And uh, remember, we're not doctors. Uh, we don't even play one on, on the radio. So uh, this is not medical advice. And thank you for the call. Um, iodine immediately came to mind as well uh, when, I was, when she was asking her question. I just don't know enough about how to actually use it to feel comfortable describing well, so it there's her. So there's like uh, the kind that you use on cuts, and that is not the kind that you can drink. And there's a kind that you can have like uh, an eyedropper full of because it's like specifically designed to be dietary dosage and uh, to be safe uh, uh, origins. Yeah. I know that uh, every now and again, iodine comes up as a prep uh, for, you know, potential radiation leaks, you know, nuclear disaster, that kind of a thing. So 
uh, do your own research. Make mm-hmm. sure you have what you need in your, you know, whatever you want to call it, your preparation, your uh, emergency bag, your bug out, whatever it is you're, you're calling that thing. Uh, you know, do your own research. Make sure you have what you need uh, according to, you know, whatever your requirements are. And I do know that uh, uh, they had found that uh, most of the time people did not receive a sufficient dose, uh, which is why they started iodizing the salt. Right, right. Uh, you can buy non-iodized salt, uh, but you have to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the salt, table salt I'm speaking of uh, in your regular grocery store, uh, most of that is iodized or iodized, and it'll say so right on the package. Mm-hmm. And uh, radiation is one of those things that, like, does build up over time. And since we, you know, are living longer and longer, for the most part until recently, uh, it's more likely that you will build up a larger amount of uh, of radiation unless you have something in your diet to help pull it back out. Um, interestingly enough, one of the biggest sources of radiation that people tend not to know is, is the case is uh, air travel. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, uh, like, when I moved from Colorado to here in New Hampshire, I uh, I am exposed to significantly less radiation because there's just more atmosphere between me and space. Right. And space is absolutely filled to the brim with deadly radiation. Right. But when you're flying in an airplane, you're getting exposed because you're further away from the Earth, and mm-hmm. there, therefore there's more radiation. There's also, uh, you know, an... Uh, environmental component to think of because as human beings build more and more you know nuclear things right Uh, we're talking about power plants that type of thing uh we have events like uh fukushima Mm -hmm. right these things are going to happen a a lot of radiation into the ocean and so which of course then makes its way into it is releasing radiation into the ocean now going to continue to do so long for the foreseeable future and long after we're dead and your kids are dead um so well unless we you know pour enough concrete on it to stop it but you know no one seems to want to do that no and uh, remember that when that happened that they raised uh what they called the minimum uh, acceptable amount of radiation so they were like well it used to be this but since <laughs> this big old accident happened we're just gonna kick that number up about twice as much as what it was i don't remember how much it was but it was a lot uh and so you know keep your eye on that kind of a thing because what used to be acceptable radiation level is now uh, a different number than it used to be so it's it's much higher now because well the environment just has more of it thanks to human ingenuity so and I remember I ran across this information in the first place because I was doing some research on uh, fluoride. Mm-hmm. And now uh, this part, I, I I have not confirmed this, but this is in this is at any rate where I where I ran across it. Uh, what it was saying is that uh, uh, artificial sources of fluoride tend to be irradiated fluoride, uh, as opposed to natural sources, which oh. tend not to be. And so the idea was that uh, by having an uh, an iodine supplement, uh, like I was saying, like there there are certain you know ones that are designed for direct consumption. Right. And the idea there being that if you uh, if you had had consumed this uh, iodine that was designed for that purpose, that it would pull all of the radioactive molecules out of your body, including fluoride molecules, which uh, have a, a terrible effect on your uh, your hormonal system, specifically uh, involving calcium. Mm-hmm. Like they're used to sedate uh, prisoners, for example, by pulling the calcium out of your nervous system so that you are less likely to uh, uh, resist orders. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, the, the Nazis basically pioneered this uh, this particular tactic. I hate Illinois Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're out of time. Thanks for everybody, or thanks to everybody for your calls. Uh, thanks to Peakless Mountaineer for joining me on the air tonight. If you missed any part of our show, find us over at freetalklive.com where you can download the archives for free. Thanks and peace.